This is The Big Question, where we do our best to answer questions from young disciples at Grace Presbyterian Church, and to be at peace with the mysteries that we can't explain. I'm Pastor Mark, your host, and in this episode we have questions from Caleb F., Lydia, Julian, Amy, Levi, and Sam VR. First, we'll tackle a few serious questions, then we'll look at this episode's big question, and we'll wrap things up at the end with a few fun questions. Let's start with our serious questions. Our first question comes from Caleb F., who asks, What would the disciples do if they accidentally stayed in an unworthy person's house? Caleb, in Matthew 10, Jesus makes it clear what the disciples shouldn't do if the house is unworthy. They shouldn't leave it. If the blessings they give to the house are rejected, they will return to them. And that's no reason not to give the blessings in the first place. Other than that, the disciples would probably have done the same things that they were doing everywhere else, bearing witness to Jesus and proclaiming the coming of his kingdom. Their mission was the same, whether people accepted them or rejected them, and that's true for us as well. We cannot make people believe. We can only share grace with them and trust the Spirit to work in them. Our next question comes from Lydia, who asks, If anyone was not bowing down to the king and they were like Daniel, do you think God would save them? Lydia, not necessarily. It would depend on the reason for this test. In Daniel's case, God's purpose was to show how his people should be faithful under any circumstance. He delivered Daniel to show his protecting power. But sometimes God has other purposes. For example, many of the apostles were killed for their faith. They refused to bow down to the commands of Caesar, and they were executed. That happened to many faithful Christians in the early church. If we say that God always saves people from their enemies, as long as they're like Daniel, then we'd be saying that those martyrs somehow lacked enough faith. If they'd only had more faith, we might think, like Daniel, then God would have saved them. But of course, it doesn't work like that. Jesus himself died on the cross, and God the Father didn't prevent that. It was actually his plan. The lesson is, whatever the purpose is behind the tests and trials that we face, we should face them faithfully. Because what happens in this life ultimately isn't what matters. It's what happens in the life to come. Now it's time for the big question. Our big question this week comes from Julian. Let's give Julian a round of applause. Here's his question. How do you bring a non-Christian to God? I have friends who say they are Christian but really aren't, atheist friends, and even friends who hate the idea of Christianity. How do I do my part in their salvation? This is a great question for a lot of reasons, Julian. First of all, I'm proud of you for thinking of your friends this way. What you're experiencing is the same thing every Christian goes through. We are surrounded by people who need Jesus. Some think they already know him, some don't realize they need him, or even think he exists. 
Some get angry if you so much as bring up his name. And if you care about these people, and it sounds like you do, then you want to do your best to bring them to Jesus. Really, that's where we need to start, with caring. Let's call it love. Whenever you're struggling with how to talk about Jesus, the first thing I want you to do is look at your heart. The more you love, the easier it gets to take action. Here's what I mean. People naturally talk about the things or the people that they love. If you love video games, for example, you talk about video games, and you don't really worry about whether you're doing it right or not. It just flows from your heart. You talk about people that you love in the same way. So the more you love Jesus, the easier it becomes to talk about Jesus. So focus on the things that help you love Jesus more. It's also true that the more you love someone, the easier it is to talk to that person. For example, there are things your parents would say to you that they'd never say to someone else's kid. Hard things, things that they worry you might not want to hear. But they're going to say them anyway because they love you. Whereas with someone else's kid, they wouldn't say them. So, yes, the more you love Jesus, the easier it is to talk about Jesus. By the same token, the more you love your friends, the easier it will be to talk to them. Easier because you won't make as many excuses. But also easier because when people know you care about them, they make allowances when you say things that come out the wrong way or you hurt their feelings. They give you the benefit of the doubt, in other words, because they know that you care. Now, in terms of what you should say, here's my advice. The more open you are, as a general rule, about your faith, the more public that faith is, then the easier it becomes to talk about it. And when you talk about it, you should bear witness to who Jesus is, what it is that he's saved you from, and what he saved you for. In other words, be clear that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died to pay the price of your sins, which means that you are a sinner like everyone else. Be clear with people that because of the cross, you have freedom from sin and that you're grateful for that freedom and you want others to share in it, that you want them to share in it. It really is as simple as that. Now, as I said earlier, you can't make anyone believe And there are no secret formulas or hidden knowledge that will magically open people's hearts. We as Christians just bear witness as truthfully, as faithfully as we can, and then we trust in the work of the Holy Spirit to do the rest. Which, when you think about it, is pretty liberating. The pressure is not on you to get the results. It's not on you to to get it right. It's not even on you to say everything in just the right way. All you have to worry about All you have to focus on is being faithful. And all that takes is love and a willingness to act on that love. So don't worry too much about getting it wrong, saying the wrong thing, or at the wrong time, or whatever. Just love Jesus, love the people around you, and open up to others about your faith, and trust in the Spirit to work. Before we close, let's look at a few fun questions. First, Amy asks, can you make your sermons shorter, like five minutes? Amy, I'm not sure if you're asking me to make my sermons five minutes shorter than they usually are, or to make them no more than five minutes long total. Either way, though, I don't think I can do it. 
the main thing I have to focus on when I preach is doing justice to the scripture, and sometimes that takes longer than five minutes. But I do try my best to stay focused on that goal, and I try not to make any sermon longer than it needs to be. And now Levi wants to know, how old is your house? Well, Levi, my house was built in 1916, which means that it's currently 106 years old. That explains why the floors creak whenever you walk on them, why the wind gets through the windows even when they're closed, and why the doors will sometimes just open themselves randomly. But all things considered, for its age, I'd say this house is in pretty good shape. It's in much better shape than I expect to be in when I turn 106, that's for sure. And now Sam VR wants to know, do you think that on your trip to Paris you had more fun or did Lori? Well, Sam, when you're as fun-loving as I am, it's hard to beat you when it comes to having the maximum amount of fun. I asked Lori about this and she thinks I definitely had more fun. But I think she's just saying that because we did a lot of walking and my legs are twice as long as hers and she was getting pretty tired by the end. I think it's fair to say that I had a lot of my kind of fun and that Lori had a lot of her kind of fun and we even had some fun together. So we were both very happy with our trip to Paris and look forward to going again, but we're really happy too to be home. Well, that's all for now. Thanks for listening to The Big Question. Remember, if we're going to find the answers, then we have to ask the questions. So never be afraid to ask, and never be satisfied with easy answers. The truth will stand up to scrutiny. Until next time, keep asking the big questions.